Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the Wall of Awful, and I thought who better to talk to than Brendan Mahan. My name is Brendan Mahan. I'm an ADHD coach, consultant, and speaker. I run ADHD Essentials, the ADHD Essentials podcast, uh, and I am the creator of the Wall of Awful, which is what we're here to talk about today. That's right. We're doing something a little different today. We've got a guest. So the Wall of Awful is the emotional impact of repeated failure. And as I built upon it, and I've been playing with this for probably seven or eight years, maybe at this point, as I played with that, I started to see just how often the emotional impact of failure, right? Those sort of like small emotions that build up over time can make it harder for us to initiate tasks and take risks. And in today's episode, we'll be getting more into how the Wall of Awful is built and what we can do about it. If you'd like to follow along with the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash wallofawful. Keep on listening to find out what you can do about your wall of awful. We've all got things that we think we should be able to just do. For example, I've had on my to-do list for weeks to make a phone call to the bank. I really don't want to do it. Won't take that long. And yet, I still keep putting it off. I keep finding reasons not to do it. And later we'll find out that this is called trying to go around the wall. If you've ever tried to go around a metaphor, you should know it just doesn't work. What I've done is I've created a wall of awful around making this phone call, really most phone calls, and the more I put it off, the more it builds it up. Here, I'll let Brendan explain. So the concept behind the wall of awful is that every time we fail, we get a brick in our wall, a little failure brick. And along with that failure brick, we also get a disappointment brick because we disappointed ourselves. But we also get a disappointment brick for all of the people whose opinion of us matters as it relates to that task. So if I am asked by my wife to mow the lawn and then I don't, I disappointed me, but I also disappointed my wife. And if I'm mowing the lawn because friends are coming over, I might feel like I get some disappointment bricks from my friends as well, because maybe they'll like disapprove of the length of my lawn or something. So the disappointment bricks, a lot of these bricks actually are not necessarily based in reality. Like my friends can come over and not even notice that my lawn has not been mowed. But if I think they're going to be bothered by it, I still get those bricks because it's about my perceptions, not someone else's perceptions. And along with those disappointment bricks, we also get rejection bricks because we feel like people are going to reject us when we disappoint them, which may or may not be true, but we feel that way. So we get these rejection bricks. And then there's things like guilt and shame, fear, anxiety, loneliness, even if you get rejected enough, all of these emotions build up and some are bricks and some are blocks, right? Like loneliness is a big block. Rejection is a brick. Guilt is a brick. Shame is a block. The difference being guilt is I feel like I made a mistake. Shame is I feel like I am the mistake. And if the reason you made the mistake is because you have ADHD, how do you tease those two things apart? With my phone call to the bank, I can see a lot of these bricks. I'm disappointed in the fact that I haven't done it yet. 
I feel like I'm disappointing my wife by not making sure I have all of our financial stuff taken care of. And again, this doesn't matter how she actually feels. It's about how I've built it up in my head. So she'll listen to this episode and probably tell me it's fine. But in my head, I'm saying, I know you're just saying that. You really think I should have made the dang phone call already. I also have rejection bricks from the fact that I know when I make the phone call, they're going to ask me questions I won't know the answer to. I'll feel stupid, and I'll feel like they're judging me. And of course, part of it is that I have to make this phone call because I lost some paperwork and my disorganization is seated in my ADHD. While I'd like to always be on top of this stuff, I'm not, and it doesn't matter how hard I try, sometimes I lose stuff and I let stuff slip. And when this stuff is based in your ADHD, it's easy to fall down a shame spiral. Fortunately, Brendan has something for this too. My thing is, I say sometimes the ADHD wins, right? Like that's my way of defending against shame. And, and, and a little bit of guilt, a little protection from guilt too. But the idea there is that like, yeah, I messed up, but I can kind of put that on my ADHD and move forward from here. And I'm not using the ADHD as an excuse. I'm using it as a reason, right? My, the way I differentiate those two is an excuse means I don't need to worry so much about the problem that I created. I don't need to worry about what I did to create the problem. And I don't need to worry about fixing the problem. A reason is like, I understand why I created the problem and I still like accept that the problem is there, but I'm not going to carry a whole lot of emotional weight around it, but it is absolutely my job to fix this problem. I love this approach and I'm sure you've heard me use the phrase, sometimes the ADHD wins before, because it's just such a freeing phrase. And I totally agree that using it as a reason and not an excuse is what gives it its power. If I said sometimes the ADHD wins and left it at that, that's not great. But using that phrase as part of my problem solving gives me a handhold. I can acknowledge that I messed up and that I didn't have a lot of control over when I messed up. Then I can use that to figure out what I need to do differently next time. I'm always going to have ADHD, and I'm not always going to be able to compensate it for it well. Sometimes the ADHD is going to win. And if I don't take that into consideration, then it's going to make my problem solving a lot harder. Anyways, back to Brendan. You've got all these emotions that kind of fall in and and form this wall. And that's one failure, right? Like that's one example. I didn't mow the lawn, but I get these bricks. If I consistently don't mow the lawn, I get a lot more bricks. The walls get a lot bigger. If I consistently don't send the email or don't make the phone call or don't remember to do the dishes or whatever the case may be, then I get a wall of awful for that task. And everybody has a wall of awful, not just folks with ADHD, because we all have stuff that we fail at and struggle with, and that's okay. People with ADHD just have more of them, and they tend to be bigger. That's where it becomes something that rings pretty true for folks with ADHD. It's just that it it explains this phenomenon of like, how come I don't want to mow the lawn? How come I'm struggling to start my taxes or lose weight or whatever the case may be? It's because you have a wall of awful for that task. And and there might be more than one task hiding inside of that, right? Like I was talking to my parent coaching groups and they were talking about kids who had trouble leaving the house, right? Like there's this big battle to leave the house. And I started playing with the idea that maybe the issue is not leaving the house, right? Like what if the issue is your kid struggles to tie their shoes? And the deal is in order to leave the house, your kid has to put their shoes on. And so- that might be what's happening, but it looks like it's leaving the house. So some of this wall of awful stuff is really playing with fine tuning the steps of the process and figuring out where that process breaks down. 
Because if you got to leave the house quick, maybe slip on shoes are fine for your kid and they can wear their sneakers at a different point. I don't know. But those kinds of approaches can help navigate the wall of off a little more gently. Now that we've got a good idea of how our wall gets built, we can start looking at ways that we can get around it. Yeah, so there's there's five ways that people try to get past the wall of awful. Two of them don't work. One works but is unhealthy, and then there's two that work. So the first one that does not work is staring at it. Right? Like you're just like that's a really big wall, but I got nothing. And then the second one that doesn't work is going around it, right? Like I'll just I'll just go around this wall and it'll be fine. You're not going around it because it's a metaphor and it's infinitely wide. I know because I made it up. You're not ever going to go around this wall. And those two strategies are avoiding it, right? You're not engaging with the task at hand. You're just stuck staring at the lawn that you need to mow, or you're trying to do other stuff and putter around the yard and thinking somehow that's going to get the lawn mowed. And that is not the case. So you have to engage with the task. The first way that gets us past the wall of awful that is not healthy, and luckily it's the, also the only way that's not healthy, is to Hulk smash your way through the wall, right? This is when you're like, fine, I'll mow the stupid lawn. God, shut up. Like that kind of a response. Or Hulk smashing inwardly where you're like, what's wrong with me? Why do I suck? Why can't I just mow the lawn, right? Like that sort of a perspective too. That's damaging to our relationships. Either we're damaging our relationship with the person who is asking us to do the thing, our boss, our spouse, our kid, our parent, our best friend, or we're damaging our relationship with ourselves and our self-esteem and like, why do I suck? What's wrong with me? That kind of a thing. So Hulk smash doesn't work. Those three are the body's stress response. Fight, flight, and freeze. Hulk smash is fight. Going around it is flight. Stare at it is freeze. Before you know that you have a wall of awful, those are going to be your three go-to responses to getting past those walls. Because when you don't understand that you have to get past all this built-up emotion, there's no clear way forward besides that Hulk smash through. There have been so many tasks where I just put the problem out of mind and hope it will go away somehow. Sometimes that works, but more often than not, that just makes things worse as the problem builds up. Because every time I choose to ignore doing anything about that problem, I'm adding more bricks to my wall. Bricks because I'm disappointed in myself. Bricks because I think everyone else is being disappointed in me. And bricks because I couldn't do it and I failed again. And once you've put off doing a task long enough, the Hulk smash seems like the only option left to you. I'm fairly familiar with the Hulk smash, except it's almost always inward for me. I'm really good at beating myself up. Somehow I know just the right things to say in my head to make myself feel really bad. And that's the other issue with Hulk smashing, is that it doesn't help you get through that wall in the future either. When I'm beating myself up to force myself to do a task, I'm not creating reliable strategies for me to get through that wall in the future. Let's say it's the dishes, and I go with the whole, fine, I'll do the flippin' dishes, and I'm angrily scrubbing dishes while mumbling under my breath about how I shouldn't have to do the dishes because I had a long day and I made dinner and the kids did this or that, or whatever the excuses I'm grumbling about are. That's me adding more bricks to my future wall with resentment bricks. And then if I have a fight with my wife over doing the dishes, I'm adding bricks left and right. I'm associating that task with all these negative feelings and adding even more of an emotional barrier. And then after the fact, I'm adding more bricks again because I'm disappointed with how I acted, I'm disappointed with the fact that I couldn't just have done the dishes earlier, 
and I'm just adding all that emotional buildup for the next time the dishes need to get done. And trust me, the dishes are going to need to get done again. But fortunately for us, we don't always have to Hulk smash our way through the wall. The two that get us past the wall. The first one is climbing it, just sitting with those emotions, right? What's hard about it is climbing it often looks like staring at it from the outside observer. Because you're just kind of doing, you're just, you're just kind of navigating these emotions. You might be sitting in a chair doing it. So it looks like you're staring at the wall when in fact, you're kind of getting up some motivation. You're kind of processing this dread of, oh man, I'm going to mow the lawn. It's going to be loud and hot. I'm going to have an allergy attack and it sucks. I don't want to mow the lawn. And you're kind of stealing yourselves for this experience. The other option is to put a door in the wall, right? And putting a door in it is really about changing your emotional state. That one can look a lot like going around it, right? Because if I am asked to mow the lawn and I'm like, yeah, just let me watch this episode of Bob's Burgers first. And I'm watching the episode of Bob's Burgers because it's going to make me laugh and feel a little more lighthearted. And that's going to let me get past the dread and change my emotional state to a better one so I can then start mowing the lawn. Great. That works. I put a door in the wall. But if I'm watching the episode of Bob's Burgers because I really don't want to mow the lawn and I'm just trying to stall and one episode turns into two, which turns into three, now I'm trying to go around it. Now I'm avoiding this task. I'm not changing my emotional state. So these healthy strategies to the outside observer often look like the unhealthy strategies. And that can cause conflict in relationships because it seems like you're not doing what you said you wanted to do, or you're not doing what is being asked of you, or you're not doing the thing you're responsible for doing, even though you're prepping to go and do it. At this point about how climbing or putting a door into the wall can look very similar to either staring at the wall or trying to go around the wall means you need to be very specific about what strategies you're using when you're trying to climb the wall or put a door in it. Because if you're not, it means it's very easy to fall into strategies that are really just staring at the wall or trying to find a way around it. So when it comes to sort of changing your emotional state, right, like watching an episode of Bob's Burgers might work, but so too can things like music or listening to a podcast. There's probably people who listen to this podcast to get started on a task or an activity because it's talking about motivation. It's talking about new strategies. It's, it's inspiring, right? Like, and that inspiration is useful. Inspiration is a very short term resource. It doesn't, it doesn't like keep us going forever necessarily, but it can get us started on something. And then motivation can take over from inspiration. Some of the strategies that work there are like I mentioned, music, a TV show, visiting old friends on the television, visiting old friends in person, like social stuff counts too, including changing who you're working with can even be over Zoom, having some of that accountability stuff. Pictures of like happier times can be helpful there. Defining done, right? Like how do I know when I'm done? It can be really hard to get started because you didn't define what done looks like. So having a clear definition of I'm going to do this for half an hour, or I'm going to reply to 10 emails, or I'm going to write 30 pages or write for 10 minutes. Like those things, those definitions of what done looks like are critical. 
And even something as simple as satisfying your biological needs, right? Like sometimes it's hard to get started because you got to pee or because you're hungry or you haven't slept. Taking care of that stuff is important as well. And exercise, of course, is critical. That lights up the brain with dopamine and gets you rolling when you need it. So those sorts of strategies are important, including one that I didn't mention is taking a break and having a plan for what that break looks like. Like I know if after 20 minutes, I get to take a break and I know that break is going to be taking a walk or eating an apple or I don't know, sitting on the couch and doing nothing for 10 minutes or whatever the case may be. I hope you've really enjoyed hearing from Brendan Mahan here. If you'd like to get more of his stuff, go check out his podcast, ADHD Essentials. You can also check out his website, ADHDessentials.com. You can find him on Twitter at ADHD Essentials, or you can go to wallofawful.com to find more stuff specifically about the Wall of Awful. Thanks for sticking with me and Brendan all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. One, the wall of awful is the emotional impact of repeated failure, and it makes activating on tasks even more difficult. Two, while our wall starts off being built up with failure bricks, it is also built with things like disappointment, rejection, and shame. It doesn't matter if these bricks are based in reality, it matters how you perceive them. Three, there are five ways we try and deal with our wall. Two don't work, one works but is damaging to our relationships, and then two that work. The two that don't work are staring at it or trying to go around it. The one that works but is damaging to our relationships is trying to Hulk smash through the wall. The two that work that we want to focus on are climbing the wall and putting a door in our wall. 4. Climbing the wall is about sitting with the emotion that built up our wall in the first place and understanding what's stopping us. It can often look like staring at the wall, but it's more about gearing yourself up to get over that wall. 5. Putting a door in the wall is about changing your emotional state so that you can get past the wall. It could be doing things like taking a walk, listening to some energizing music, or watching a funny TV show to brighten your mood. Just like climbing the wall, it can be mistaken for a strategy that doesn't work, which in this case is trying to go around the wall. That's it. Thanks for listening. I know this episode was a little different, and I'd love to hear what you thought. Let me know if you'd like me to have more guests on the show. You can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HackingYourADHD. Or you can connect with me over at HackingYourADHD.com slash contact. Also, be sure to check out the show notes page at HackingYourADHD.com slash wallofawful. And if you're this far into the end of the show, you might also be interested in the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For in-depth interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers. Or you can go check out Brenda Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. I'm sure you'll love it just as much as you loved this episode. I also do a live Q&A with Eric and Brendan every second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to register for the next one, just go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. And now for your moment of dad. Why did the farmer win a gold medal? Why? Because he was outstanding in his field. (laughs) 